and welcome to Growing Pains, the marketing podcast for brands who want to grow and get more consistent sales, but without the overwhelm of feeling like you have to be online 24-7. I'm Sophie, your host and a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist. Join me each week as I, alongside some wonderful guests, share practical tips and advice about how you can use and combine marketing strategies to get more impact for your effort. Today, I am thrilled to be welcoming Kerry Gillett to the podcast. Kerry left a 12-year career in business development to embark on two big roles, becoming a mother and launching a business. A serial entrepreneur, Kerry has started, scaled, raised investments and taken a business to sale. Her experiences as a female founder led her to launch a non-profit business accelerator that helps more mums start and grow a business. She coaches female founders to find ways to earn consistently in their business and regularly consults, creates strategy for corporate clients. Kerry has featured in Grazia, Stylist, BBC News, BBC Radio 4 and Channel 5. And last year, she was named one of the top 100 social entrepreneurs worldwide by Pioneers Post. I'm so excited to have Kerry here today. Now, that is the formal introduction out of the way. Let's get down to finding out a bit more about you, Kerry. So tell me a little bit about your work, life and family setup. So I live in a very little place in South East Wales, a very green, very country-ish, very tiny village. And I live with my partner, James, our cat, George, and my seven-year-old son, Fred. And my work life is quite varied on purpose, I would say. I split my time across two businesses. So I coach and consult mainly in the areas of strategy and business growth. And I coach female entrepreneurs predominantly, but I also do stuff with corporates. And I also run a non-profit social enterprise, which is a business accelerator specifically for mums. So I spent part of my week working in the non-profit and going out into communities or developing digital learning products for mums on low to no income. Fabulous. Well, I mean, so Kerry was my coach for a good sort of six months or so. And she's amazing at what she does. And also her son, Fred, is really, really cool. <laughs> she's part of all my <laughs> coaching to... packages. <laughs> you do get a little bit of Fred in your life and it definitely makes things better. And if you do follow Kerry on Instagram, you will see some of the amazing countryside where she gets for lovely walks and it is incredibly beautiful. So before we get into talking about money and motherhood, we need to know your st- views on the important stuff. Are you ready? I'm limbering up. Okay, good. Right. Tea or coffee? Coffee. I knew that already. <laughs> Dogs or cats? Oh, cats. So many people who have cats struggle. I know. I think it's, I would love a dog, but we have a cat, yeah. so I feel like I have to side with her. <laughs> Not many people who have a dog struggle to say dog, no, though. I feel like, yeah. Bagels or crumpets? <gasps> Bagels. I hope that bagels are definitely the firm favourite, but... I do love a crumpet. I feel like everyone's like, I do love a crumpet. I have a really specific way that it has to be cooked. And so not everyone can meet this. Go on. On my toaster, I have to do it twice. So I like quite a hard crumpet. That is a hard crumpet. I like quite a crunch. I like a lot of butter to soften that up. Mm, Soften up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, both of them are essentially vessels for a huge amount of butter. Like, I think that's like their main But I've also got a very specific way of having a bagel, which is to slightly hollow it out. Take a bit of the dough out. 
then you get a much better pool for your butter. Oh my god! Like oh, like a yeah. moat. Okay, I feel like I need to test both of these things. <laughs> Let me know. You a get moat on. of butter. I will. I'm going to take it out. Well, obviously, I'll probably do a story about it. <laughs> Beach or pool? Beach, definitely. Winter or summer? Oh, winter. Yeah, I know. I think we're going into that snuggly yeah. zone, I like aren't a we? Layered I know. Outfit, to be honest. Yeah, I like a layered outfit too. Color or monochrome? Color, most definitely color. Yeah, I mean, you're like literally colour personified. <laughs> Early morning or late Early night? Early morning. I'm useless Early at morning. night. Past 10 o'clock, I can barely talk. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Well, I'm not much better in the morning. Okay, so in this episode today, this is the other half of the two parts we're doing about money. So we spoke to Anastasia, my accountant, all about like the tactical, practical ways of managing your money. And in this episode, Kerry and I are going to talk much more about the, I guess, the emotional side, the strategic side, the kind of the difficulties I think often women come across when we're talking about money. And the reason I asked Kerry to come on and talk about this is because partly she has quite a maybe a a different view that I guess than a lot of coaches she's not your standard you know we're just going to imagine that we're going to earn 10k and it's all going to happen and you need to just keep going until you hit it we have decided that this episode is all about making realistic sexy and so that's where we're going isn't it Carrie? I think this is the best description as anyone has ever given of me so thanks you're very welcome so do you want to give a quick overview of your kind of I don't know, your views or your like style of coaching? Yeah, so I've always had, I suppose I should say, I have been coaching for over a decade, but I have a massive difficulty with coaching as in the coaching industry. I do not believe that everybody benefits from coaching. I do not believe that everybody needs to have coaching in order to have a successful business. And I actually don't believe that most people out there are even selling coaching. So I think... I have always tried to be very clear on what coaching is, what the benefit for that is. And also for business owners, how mentorship is a really important part of getting advice when it comes to trying to start and grow a business. So my kind of coaching standpoint is that I do both. Coaching is not my only business. I have built multiple actual businesses that are actual things not just inside my head I have built both digital businesses and offline businesses as in premises and things that you could actually go out there and touch so I know what it takes to actually get something off the ground in both senses I have started businesses with zero budget I have had bigger budget going in to invest and start a business I have done things like crowdfund raise investment for a business, take a business to sale. I've had businesses fail. So I think I've got a good handle on what it is like to be in business. But also I do have the kind of educational training behind me to know what the process of coaching is. And I think there is a benefit to having both. You need someone who can help you look at your business practically and spot some gaps maybe that you're not focused on or you can't quite see. But you also probably need someone to coach you through the blocks that come up for all of us when you try and make changes, whether that's starting a business or growing a business. So I think realistic is probably my standpoint. I'm not very airy-fairy. And I just know that women are fantastic, fantastic business owners. There should definitely be more of us out there doing it. And I think as a 
uh, mother of children, you have all the skills you will ever need to grow a brilliant business. So more of us should be out there doing it too. Absolutely. And in terms of the women that you work with, and we talk, you talked a bit there about the blockers that we have. In terms of money, what do you see come up most often with the women that you work with? I think getting our heads around the fact that we can earn our own money huge one Mm -hmm. I think finding setting our prices or deciding what we want to earn problematic for a lot of us basing our experiences on what we earned in corporate jobs and thinking that we have to identically replace this corporate income that sometimes a huge company used to pay us and we need to do that very quickly in our business is a massive one And quite often, I think probably the biggest one is that we don't want to talk about, think about or educate ourselves on anything to do with finances for our business. And so therefore, it's a massive blind spot for a lot of us. And we just leave it out there in the ether, which is why this kind of like I'm manifesting 30k is so appealing to so many people, because we feel like, oh, you know, well, if I just think positively about it, it will come. And that means I don't have to do any of the work. So I think that Mm -hmm. sometimes could probably be the biggest one that I see is just that we think it's we think it's got to be difficult. I think the the corporate one is a really interesting one and I definitely fell into that trap. I mean, we we like Kerry and I have worked together on this quite a lot so she knows all of this background, but I think for me personally and I'm sure some people will resonate with this. I think I've talked about it before. My corporate job was massively my identity. Like it really was like who I was and I had absolutely no idea that that's who I was until I left and felt really bereft and quite traumatized by being made redundant while I was on maternity leave and so my sort of fixation was that for myself and saying right okay well I will start my own business then and therefore my previous uh, salary is what my target will be because that's what I need that's clearly what I need and that's what I'm going to do. And there's so much messaging on social media around, you know, I left my job and I smashed my former salary in the first three months or in the first year or, you know, I earned 100K or I'm earning 10K months. It's taken me five years and I'm still not back to earning that. And I'm, that's now quite a conscious choice. And we can talk a bit more about that later on. And I, but I found that really difficult. I found it like, I felt like if I wasn't hitting that, then I was failing. Like I, my worth and the revenue of my business was so entangled in those first few years yeah and I think it whether you've had a massive corporate career or you know you worked part-time before your previous salary becomes a benchmark of what you have to go on in order to feel financially successful or financially viable in that first stage of your business. And I think one of the things that I do across the board with anybody is say, you know, is really question the numbers if they are available. So a lot of people will come in and they go, oh, carry up to get myself from this much to this much. And I'm like, okay, why? What? Why though? Like, what? What is the number for? Where does the number come from? Have we seen the number yeah. on an Instagram post? Someone's told you you need that much money. Do you yeah. do you know what you need to earn every month? That is probably one of my yeah. biggest coaching questions. And when people go, 
Well, no. Most people don't know what they need to earn every month. As much as possible. It's just like, well, (laughs) I'm just going to go for a lot of money, then I'm going to be okay. I'm like, yeah, but if you only need to earn, let's go for the ultimate success. If you only need to earn like £750 a month, right, at base, Mm -hmm. and you've got one client that pays you that, then you're super successful. Like just get the £750 and enjoy your week. And anything that comes after that is a is a great bonus. But people don't talk about yeah. realistic numbers, right? It's not exciting when we talk about realism. It's not exciting to go, well, actually, what I really need to earn is about £1,200 a month. And I'd like to only work part-time. And yeah. some days... I would like the flexibility to take a day off work or not do anything. There's a few things at play. There's the money thing. There's this the hustle culture thing that we've got to keep going and going. And I think because so many of us consume so much social media, we are unable to separate what is our idea and what is something yeah. that we have read that somebody else is. And we take it on board in this weird osmosis way. And we find that we're chasing something that we might not even want. We've just not questioned what it is. Yeah. And so I think we've got to prompt more of the questioning. If you're working with somebody or you're reading someone's post at any point in this scale, you've really got a question and look at what the message you're being fed almost and really sit with yourself and figure out like what you want and what you want right now might not be what you want in three years and that's like that's okay it might be that for a season you sit with what you are and you take the time and you are doing other things and it might be that once your child starts school you have more time and therefore you might change your goals slightly but I think we get into a bit of a trap of like We've got to earn as much as possible, as quickly as possible. And then it's just got to grow from there. It's just got to grow because it's about three figures and, you know, five figures and then seven seven. figures. And yeah, yeah, it's just like, it's it's just always more, isn't it? More and more and more. It's never ending. And actually that's incredibly stressful. And when you don't hit that or you're, it's inconsistent and you hit it. And then the next month, so I had where I hit it, my goals for a few months and then massively dropped off for a few months and that was really really difficult for me like I really struggled with the fact that I think it was still back to that corporate mentality of right I'm achieving this salary now I'm achieving this amount of income so this is going to be my baseline and then I'll just go up from there and then to have a few months when then dipped back down again it was like oh my god it's all gone to pot that's it like I've lost it all and I have to start all again and I think seasonality in our businesses in particular when you work for yourself is something I've really in the last few years really got to grips oh, with yeah. like how it you cannot guarantee especially in the climate at the moment no, you can't you and you have to kind of go with it though rather than fight yes. it and if we were talking if you had someone here who's talking to you about huge corporations right big businesses know this this is a natural yeah. phenomenon that it's not the same, you know, that they take exactly the same or more money each month. Everything is a fluctuation. So as your yeah. business grows, the fluctuations just get bigger. That's yeah. that's the only thing that happens, right? So it's not and sexy to talk about consistency and paying yourself like a consistent wage every month. And, and, I, and that is the thing I've been banging on about for years. You know, my key for my business was to get myself to a place where the business paid me like it it was my actual job like 
on the first yeah. of every month my salary went in I was not worried about it I knew that that money was consistent and it was happening and there wasn't this big push to constantly be like oh, where are the clients coming from oh my gosh I've got to launch something new and that doesn't have Instagram launch excitement about it but mm. it's a much more peaceful way to live your life to go yeah consistent steady income is what I need in order to live well you might not need that but for me that that was a big thing and I certainly see that a lot with my clients and the women that I work with is actually when you take away all the shiny glittery stuff and you drill down to what they want it's actually very simple it's usually around freedom consistent income the ability to gain some self-worth back because they want to do something for themselves the ability to reclaim some of their own time and use part of their brain it is not all the stuff that we're being sold yeah yeah absolutely and we were talking a bit about talking about self-worth there the uh, what was it I keep getting it wrong charge what you're worth worth Worth. (laughs) it's just such a problematic (laughs) statement and I I hear where it's coming from in that you know we don't want to undersell ourselves right I guess is the underlying thing is that you don't undersell yourself charge your worth but ultimately it it really what it implies is that your worth is tied up in what you charge yeah and that is that is definitely what we're saying is not the case. Is and it? it also means that a ton of us end up looking at other people on the internet. No one wants to yeah. admit to it, but we all do it, right? So you look at someone who does a similar thing to you and you're like, well, she's charging this. So if I don't charge that, that, that means I'm not as good as her. So I've got to charge mm-hmm. as much or more. And guess what? There are people out there on a massive spectrum of charging. So there's always going to be somebody that you're going to look at who is charging more than you, who ha- has gone to that next level. And and you just have this massive comparison constantly of going, well, it's got to be more. It's got to be more. I have lost count of the amount of rooms that I have been in work-wise, sometimes by choice, sometimes not, of people who have picked apart my pricing structure and told me that it's wrong, that I need to charge more, that in order for people to see value in what I do, I have to charge more money. And I continue to <laughs> buck that trend. I continue to ignore and be them. Like, no, <laughs> because you know what, I it, that's not what is important to me. I and yeah. I think I'm not willing to buy into that. That is something that you buy. You have to buy into. So just because there is someone who is who is higher priced than me doesn't mean that I have to change my values, my business, the way I charge. Like that's fine. Let them be them. But I can look at my pricing and honestly be completely at peace with it and say, yeah, you know. Does it does it mean that I have poor self-worth because I'm more, quote unquote, affordable than other business coaches? Absolutely not. My self-worth is actually as high as a kite, I would say. It's tip great. Top. It's in tip-top condition. <laughs> but I just don't believe a lot of this stuff that, that people are selling. And that's OK for me. So I think, you know, there is this big it's it's an industry, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. an industry. And as long as you are happy with what you are charging you are not stretching yourself so thin so that you're working all the time and you're actually getting nothing from it and you have obviously you've been speaking to an accountant you have looked and developed a structure where you're actually able to make some money because that's a problem I see sometimes people are not you know there is no profit for them then I think you're good you know and you can move and change that over the years and equally 
you know, it's no one else's business what you're charging, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, it comes down I think from what you're just saying there as well, like how you define success for you as well, isn't it? Like, you know, for you, I know you've got such a passion around working with women across all the different spectrums. And for you, that is successful, helping a range of different women in a range of different kind of income brackets. It's not just about helping people that can afford you, you know, who are privileged enough to, you know, have access to those funds. But also I think as well, attaching, you know, your success metrics almost to the whole business rather than just the revenue. Yeah, I think. So the fact that it allows you to do, you know, pick your kids up or, you know, whatever it is. Everyone could benefit, I think, from working on what success actually means for them and ditching the, you know, really examining what you think success is, right? And then looking at each of those items, as I mentioned before, and saying like, is this mine? Have I picked this up from someone else? Like, where did this come from? Because when we really drill down to it, as I mentioned before, success is actually usually a very simple thing for us to get to. And we get sucked in to a version of success that is not ours. And I have done this seasonally in my life. I think we start off young with it. You know, our education system builds us in a certain way so that we have to perform in order to achieve. And so high performance and reward is is promoted you know we're told from a very young age you need to do well academically so that you can get a good job and if you get a good job you'll get paid a lot of money and you will do well in life and so we set people up from a really young age to think that they have to earn a lot of money and be successful and that means working hard a lot of messages around hard work and and how we perform to the outside world. And many of us do not fit in with that criteria. So there's a lot of yeah. a lot of work to be done there on how those people then feel if we don't fit into that very, very tiny box of, of what is acceptable. And then yeah. success as you scale in work is do more, be more, have more, right? So we all do it. No one's really questioned why we're doing it. We just all get on the train. We are plowing forward. And at some point in our lives, for whatever reason, there comes a a moment where you go, oh, hang on. I got the thing that I thought I wanted and now it doesn't feel the way I thought I was going to feel. And so that happened to me when I turned 30 in a really quite pivotal way so it's my 30th birthday and I couldn't be home for my 30th birthday because I was working for a company and a sale was going through and a lot of us had to be in London to do the legal parts of what was happening to run back and forward in taxis basically and the company had said to me because I had said categorically I wasn't going to be working because it was my 30th birthday oh Kerry you know we've booked you a hotel and you're going to have a great time and like just do this one thing for me and I've never said no in a work situation because she loves her work so I'm like yeah fine I'm going to be there and they paid for me to stay at the Savoy Hotel sounds sounds super bougie right so I'm like great yeah I'm staying here so fancy. so fancy and but the reality was I was on my own I turned 30 on my own in a hotel on my own in a restaurant on my own. I went and bought myself a lovely gift on my own and went home super sad that actually none of that mattered. Like it looked great in photos yeah. and they occasionally still pop up on my Facebook memories from back in the day. Yeah. Oh, like, and I'm oh. like, look who she was, all glossy and fancy and staying at the Savoy. But I would have given anything to not be there. Like 
I I wanted to be with my family and I wanted to have like more friends and actually I was single and really wanted to be in a relationship but I couldn't have any of that stuff I really wanted because I worked every hour God sent in order to have this career and earn this money and drive this car and buy this handbag and then suddenly I got home with the handbag threw it on the bed and didn't unbox it for like five weeks because actually yeah I didn't care about the handbag and it really made me look at what I was doing with my life because I didn't really want to do any of that stuff and I started to unpick everything from there and you know I'm about to turn 40 next week so this is a decade-long work in in what I've done but it takes you time to really examine all that things but from that moment I worked completely differently there are times I slip back into my old ways but I'm able to I think have a tool kit of skills that drags me back to reality I've since become a mother I've started different businesses I live much more peacefully now in a more sustainable way but I see it. I see the same behaviours that I had show up in a lot of clients. There's this thing that coaches say, like you always coach mirror clients. People come to you because there's a part of you that that resonates with, with them. And so I see a lot of these women who, you know, I think we get on so well is because we have a very similar story. I have a corporate background. Yeah. I lost that identity. I didn't know what to do with myself. I had to really do a lot of work on who I wanted to be and how I balanced what I thought motherhood should look like and what I thought my career should look like. Had to do a ton of work on on my self-worth. And so you, you see the same kind of patterns coming up with women. And I'd love to say that this is not an uncommon story, but I see hundreds and hundreds of women a year who have exactly the same feelings and ingrained messaging that I had. And so I think my life's work has now become jet washing it so that we can see the reality of what's underneath. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think actually what you, when you're talking about there, I've been seeing quite a lot of posts recently and it's, I think there's two elements for women, really. Some women have, have a business and maybe have felt really passionate about it in the past and have driven really hard and have like made good money. And then maybe during COVID or the last few years, maybe they've had another baby. They're just not as engaged with it anymore. And there's almost like a guilt that they're not wanting to push harder and make more money and have, you know, grow the business. It's almost like, I just, I'm not feeling at the moment, but I don't know what's wrong with me. And I think, I don't know from what you were saying there as well, like that 30th birthday thing as well. It's like, if you want to spend time with your children and you can just earn enough money to keep you ticking over, And you just want to focus on your children. Like there's just nothing wrong with that. And I just feel like no one on the internet really says that. It says really you either need to be like a full mother or like a full businesswoman. (laughs) And it's like, like where's the bit in between where you can just ebb and flow. And sometimes you create just enough money to focus on the children. And other times, you know, you go really much, much stronger. And then I think the, the flip side of it, which is what I really felt, when I started and my business wasn't making very much money was very much around why like why are you putting your children into childcare to run a business that isn't making you very much money yeah I think again I mean I'm gonna say it a hundred times on the podcast I'm sure but it's like it's examining like what is right for you yeah right so for me I was am a better mother to Fred when I have time for myself, 
time for myself in the early stages of motherhood was working on the business because I think I felt so guilty framing it in any other way <laughs> that yeah. at least if I framed it in work, like that was going to make sense to other people and they, they could accept that. So I could, yeah. I could do something now. I'm so unapologetic about having <laughs> some time to myself that I'm like, no friend, I'll do what I want. But I think important to note that we live in a funny time, right? Mm. If you're a mother now, because we can have and we can have it all, right? Our our mothers, our grandmothers didn't have this opportunity sometimes to work the way that we do, have careers the way that we do, have children and live our lives this way. But just because we can have it all doesn't mean that we have to have it all and we don't have to have it all at the same time, right? We can space this stuff out. Little children, I used to hate this messaging. I used to hate it. I've got to tell you. But your children are tiny for such a small amount of time that if I could go back, I would say to myself, like, Kerry, hold on. Like, you know, yes, there's there's going to be a balance. Like, of course, you need time for yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely applaud it. But also savor, savor it because it does go super, super quick. So I have some friends and clients who have really loved and embraced that early part of their motherhood. I could see them lapping it up and I wished I could be more of that woman. That isn't me necessarily, but I am glad that I found a way of making both parts enjoyable for me. I am in a place and have been in a place for a long time where I do enjoy my time out from work. I love being able to finish work and pick pick Fred up or drop Fred to school every day and it never being a, a stress. I wouldn't have had that if I'd have stayed in my old corporate. I do wish, like you, that I hadn't put so much pressure on myself to like have free days. <laughs> Mm. and maybe pay those exorbitant costs to you know actually for days when I was so tired I wasn't very productive with them always and that could have been that could have been different but I was so keen to excel sometimes that I didn't think always about what was best it was always like you know I'll create the space and then I'll have time to do more work and that wasn't always right I'm happy to to say that but also I have got a very good relationship with Fred he's a very well-rounded kid I think and we do what we think is best at the time for us and for our children yeah I think that's it isn't it really it's it's constantly checking in with yourself like in within you know over different periods of time because what you might feel is right at the moment might not be right in a few yeah. months time or you know six months time we're actually dropping off one of Otty's nursery days so she's going down oh. to yeah we're going from, I'm going from four days to three days and at the moment that just feels right from us from a kind of cost fixed cost perspective the amount of work that I end up doing on one of the days I end up having her and just for me spending a bit more time with her and as well so I would never have dreamt I would have been doing that six months ago like six mm. months ago I remember my husband saying do you want to put her in for a fifth day and me being like mm maybe no I'm not sure and yeah. then we didn't and now I'm like saying to him I'm really feeling the need to pull her out for a day so that's what we're doing that's and good I think that's okay. no, I know I'm looking forward to it in September she'll have her last year before school so she'll probably we'll probably go up again then that's kind of what we're thinking she gets the mm. third three hours get her used but, to it yeah yeah exactly but I think in the meantime it's going to be just a little bit of a more time with her and less we're really looking at, you know, with everything that's going on in the economy, 
is how can we reduce the stress in our lives? Yeah. And then reducing the stress in our lives for us looks like reducing our heavy fixed costs. Mm-hmm. And like the ones that each month cause me stress because they're so, you know, her nursery fees are almost the same as our mortgage. Yeah. And actually that is, I'd rather have a little bit more of a buffer to you know do nice things with the children and not put so much pressure on myself to have to earn so much each month and you know if one of my clients has to close their business that is then catastrophic for me and I think you know that is not only excellent sense for you that makes the best business sense because the pressure is not just less on you the pressure is less on your business yeah and so like that is a brilliant brilliant thing to do I think when we're talking about seasonal business I I say this not in a way to, you know, promote that I've cracked all the answers because I haven't. But I notice now, you know, Fred's in school and I thought that would give me time to work more. Right. When I got Mm. him to school age, I'd be like, right, when he gets to school age, I'm going to have so many hours a day I can work like this is going to be fantastic. And I actually work less now than I ever have out of choice because now I can see now I have a much better grasp of what success means to me and it's not working all the time it's how it's not having a business that is massive it is having a business that's impactful yeah it is being able to drop Fred every day it's having variety in my work it's concentrating on the stuff that I love and if I don't love it I leave it and that has meant now that I work less now I still work a full-time job but before I was stretching myself I was always stretching myself because there was always this like there's the possibility of always having more money there is always more possibility for your business more things you can launch more things you can do things that someone's tried that might work for you and if you're that way inclined which I am you could fill every hour of the day with literally every hour (laughs) so in the examining you have to make a choice yeah. And that choice, you know, is that you want to have some balance in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just as well, looking at, you know, how much when we go you know, really circling around, I guess, back to where we started, we're looking at what do you need to earn? You know, it's kind of like that good, better, best, isn't it? Like, yeah. what's our baseline? What are we really comfortable on? And what would be kind of ideal within the amount of hours they want to work? Yeah. And look, and then kind of, you know, when you see these 10K posts and, you know, earning this amount, really examining it from like a profit and revenue perspective as well. You know, like at the moment in politics, there's a lot of fact checking going on. (laughs) Like, let's just fact check some of these posts because you might earn 10K. But if you have got a team around you, if you're paying for a load of air, if you've spent a lot of money on Facebook ads, and I see this all the time, you know, I earn, you know, I did a hundred grand launch, and they've spent 60k on ads and 20k on a team it's like their actual profit and like what they're actually making for themselves is is probably less than i could make on a, a single many client words though, isn't it for a bit for a for a facebook too post many, like just I know, not right? snazzy it's or not an sexy. And, but i i see that like with client i've client i have some clients who earn whose revenue is massive yeah massive and i'm like oh my gosh and then you dig into it right and I'm like yeah. look what they're spending on team look yeah. what they're and I can say like you're an ads person it just astounds me it astounds <laughs> me what people's ad costs and spent like spending costs yeah. are. I'm like you're spending how much on that launch yeah like 
it somehow does. I mean, it's great that, you know, it's needed and it can get you there. But I'm like, I'm not sure I could do it. <laughs> I'm not sure I could do it. I mean, I don't work on the big high end launches like but. I see, I see them and I see, you know, the case studies and stuff with the, you know, colleagues I work with. And it's like, it's eye watering. And I don't think many people who, who don't, you know, aren't in that circles could ever comprehend how much people are spending on Facebook ads. Like you might think, oh, it's a couple of thousand. You know, you could like, you know, you're talking like tens, sometimes more than a hundred thousand on ads. Like, yeah, I have a client who came through Mubo and we're doing mm. a little piece on it. So I can, I I know she doesn't mind me saying that like Mm. the amounts and she came, right. She had a start business. She had no money. She was on benefits and she started this product based business and she went off and it grew fantastic. And her recent launch ran for six weeks Mm. and she spent 72,000 pounds on her, spend right so that's yeah. not having the ads expert in who's doing all the fantastic work 72k on actually running she got i think the product launch was about 100 and 140 something so there's yeah. still money in there but yeah. when you she could just say at 140 pound yeah. launch it was fantastic yeah. like, no actually when you take no. out all the stuff just the ad spend was half of it then you're paying someone to run it on top then there's all the yeah. you know there was with someone products as well you've co- got your copy the yeah you've spend. got your profit margin like it's actually much lower on a product as well I because you, i mean it's i mean it's eye-watering so anyway i just wanted to bring that up because i just think you know when you are if you're feeling a bit crap about it you know comparing yourself and struggling with not feeling like you know feeling like you're failing or your business isn't doing well enough Mm. I think sometimes it's helpful to just take a step back and sort of a fact check your own business like Mm -hmm. how much where what are my numbers like what do I need to be bringing but also like kind of fact check other people's and think about the fact that whatever what you see is just not true sometimes yeah and I think all of us all of us can be really successful because when I drill numbers with people and we really get down I have never seen an astounded amount of money that someone needs to earn every month it's usually pretty low yeah yeah and so I'm like well you you can you can do this here's 10 ways that you can make that much money and you can do it consistently it doesn't have to be difficult it doesn't have to be hard but the difficulty comes in when you add the extra layer and you're adding in all the stuff that you need to do on top of it so much so that you completely forget about that number that number is not even in your register yeah and you're chasing something that you don't need to chase that's the exhausting part you don't need to chase it we're choosing to chase it because we've we've been sold into this ideal that success is is that number yeah absolutely well thank you so much Kerry I think we've covered loads of really interesting topics today I would love to hear what you guys think about this so do let me know over on Instagram and at the end of every episode I ask my guests what's the one thing you'd sort of say to people to do today going forward I think on the theme of this podcast, probably question, I would say question what you are taking in, like you fall in love with a personality or an aesthetic or a feed. And that's fine. You know, you can enjoy and consume people's content, but maybe don't do it so blindly. Maybe question why certain things are being sold to you or being said and just know that it's entirely okay for you to walk on your own path. Yeah. 
Love it. So if you've enjoyed listening to all of Kerry's tips and advice, and if you want to hear more, then you will find her over on Instagram. She is at Kerry Gillett Coaching. I will put the link in the show notes. And she also have a brilliant guide, 12 Ways to Make More Money on Your Business. It's a ebook, and I will put the link to her website, which is where the sign-up form is, in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Kerry. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they're released. And if you have enjoyed these podcast episodes, I'd really love to ask you to leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Reviews are one of the major ways that Apple ranks their podcasts and it only takes a few seconds but really does make a massive difference to new people finding me. Thank you again for joining me, Sophie, in this episode of Growing Pains. See you next time.